Hello, and welcome to the Talking Guitar Podcast, brought to you by the North American Guitar in Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, Lindsay Straw, and this week we are all about our French-Canadian luthiers. For today's episode, I chat with Loïc Bourteau of Boucherot Guitars. Loïc grew up in France, where he first fell in love with the instrument, eventually making his way to Quebec City, where he's been building guitars ever since. He shares his sources of inspiration from great modern luthiers like Michael Bashkin to Matsuda, and how listening to players like Don Ross, Dustin Furlow, and Tommy Emmanuel drove him towards crafting fingerstyle-centric guitars. We did this interview via Zoom, so as usual, we have also released a video version where you can watch our chat and see some shots and video clips of his guitars in action. This time we feature Stuart Ryan, Bill Cooley, Carl Miner, and myself playing these Boucherots. If you want the full audio-visual experience, hop on over to YouTube and check it out. Otherwise, please enjoy my chat with Loïc of Boucherot Guitars. Well, thank you so much for being on the Talking Guitar podcast with me today. I'm so excited to finally meet you and talk to you in, sort of in person. Yeah, thanks for having me and uh, nice to meet you. So I guess we'll just go ahead and dive right in and, and talk about sort of your journey into guitar making. Yes. Um, so my journey started uh, uh, in 2011. Uh, so like uh, most of my peers, I guess I started by uh, learning uh, to play the guitar before even thinking about making them, you know? Mm -hmm. So I started playing when I was uh, 15 years old, maybe. But just, just as a hobby, I, I played a little with uh, along with friends in some uh, open stage bars and stuff like this in, in, in my native uh, city in Bordeaux. Um, but it was really just a hobby and, and a way to have fun at the time. Uh, and uh, so I was at some point in my life where I needed to figure out what I had, what I wanted to do with my life, you know, so find uh, my, my vocation kind of. Um, so I had a lot of experiences in um, uh, STEM field jobs. Like I worked a lot in the wine industry at some point. And so- Oh, cool. In, yeah, on a lot of uh, aspects of, the, of, the, of this industry actually. So. And I saw people who were spending their life in this uh, kind of business, and I figured out it's not what I want. And so if I wasn't able to find my way, I would have to do it pretty much all my life. You know? So I figured, well, I like guitar. I would like to, 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 to try and make them. It looked like a, a very, a very, a very uh, uh, interesting uh, career to, to try and achieve. So. I went for the Quebec Luthery School, Quebec City. Mm -hmm. uh, shout out to my buddy Virgil, who <laughs> <laughs> was my uh, he was uh, one of my uh, co-students at the at the school, and we had a lot of fun times together over there. Nice. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, it was cool. Uh, I think about this time with a lot of uh, nostalgia sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it was a three-year uh, uh, training there, and so I graduated in 2014, and then I started my uh, my career on my own uh, since then. Mm -hmm. uh, so I spent one year after the school um, uh, renting a working space in a in a workshop downtown Quebec City, mm -hmm. and after this year over there, I built two guitars here, and then I uh, set up my own workshop. 
So I, I found a nice big house with a, a big basement and I set up the shop in the basement. It took me about uh, six months to set up the shop. Mm -hmm. And since then it's been growing and growing. Uh, so right now I'm, I'm like uh, out of space. So I, uh, if I want to grow uh, my shop even more, I have to find another place. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but it's working fine so far. Yeah. That's amazing. So you stayed in Quebec City. You didn't go down to Montreal or leave it at all? No, I just stayed in Quebec City. I got a, a back then I, when I graduated, I got offered a, a job in the Lutheran school as a technician and, you, and uh, taking care of uh, maintain, maintaining the, the machinery and uh, also taking care of the tools for the students and stuff like this. So it was a good opportunity pretty, with, a good, with a good pay and everything. So I just went for it. And I was also working for a couple of um, uh, guitar shops in the city. So doing a lot of repairs and set up jobs and, and things like this and getting in contact with the clients over there was a very good experience as well. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I just stayed in Quebec City. It was a was a nice place to be. I had a lot of, a lot of friends over here. Uh, yeah, I, I I only saw good points uh, at staying there. So yeah, no, that that sounds like everything really worked out nicely. So you could, the fact that you're able to get set up the space at home to build your own guitars as well as having all those great opportunities sounds really ideal. And Quebec City is so gorgeous. So <laughs> pretty yeah yeah. <laughs> It's a nice place. Winters can be pretty long, as you might know. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but we we do with it. Yeah. It. Fine. Yeah. Nice. Well, so when you were, do you play much still, or do you um, primarily primarily just focus on on the building side of things? I'm primarily uh, focusing on building. I play a little bit. Uh, when I started playing, I was playing only with a pick. So, so when I started making uh, fingerstyle guitars, I had to 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 use to get myself used to to playing in fingerstyle to be able to try my guitars myself and to 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 hear uh, what they're all about. So, um, took me some time, but uh, I have a decent enough. Uh, uh, skill level to, to be able to try my guitars and it's fine with me and um, what I like the most actually is to have my guitars played by others who know better than me and and can give me good feedbacks on on the acoustic side of things uh, so yeah I, I, I'm still playing a little bit but uh, way less than than say 10 years ago maybe mm -hmm. uh, and I play a lot of electric as well Oh, cool. Do you ever build any yeah. electric? Um, well, so I have a Let's Ball at home, so I play, I play on it sometimes just to just to have some fun and to chill out. And, yeah. um, and I also play the piano. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I really love it. But I, didn't, I never took any lessons or anything, but I just uh, learned to play by myself. And, and I love playing the piano, so mm -hmm. I, I, I'm almost playing more the piano than guitar nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how you kind of go through different waves with different instruments and sometimes one takes more of your your I don't know, musical heart for a little while than the other. Um but yeah. so that's really interesting that you that you you craft such fantastic fingerstyle guitars but that wasn't your main sort of focus when as a player when you started out. So um 
so yeah, I'm just curious to, did you decide to go with the fingerstyle sort of like approach more just because of demand from players or, or like what kind of led you down that path versus like building dreadnoughts and kind of more traditional flat picking style guitars? Yeah, well, um, it really came from my uh, internship in, in uh, Quebec City in the Luthery School. So on the three year time we are at the school, we, we have the opportunity to see all the aspects of Luthery, what, what, what you can do with it. So inside of Luthery, you have so many different styles. And, and I was very inspired by uh, the, the great modern style builders we have nowadays in, in, in North America. So uh, Samoji, Mario Beauregard, um, uh, Michael Bashkin, Matsuda, and, and all, all their peers. And I love their style. I, I love what I really loved about their guitars is the, the, the time and the and the perfection that they were trying to achieve on their work. So, and I, and I started at this time also listening to great fingerstyle musicians. And I, I love the way the, 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 the great fingerstyle musician explore all the aspects of the acoustic of a guitar. Mm -hmm. So uh, you, you can hear all the overtones and the harmonics and the guitar is so much put uh, up front. And yeah. So this is why this is what I loved about this uh, this particular uh, field uh, in New Three. So I just went for it, and and I, I, everything attracted me on this aspect of the guitar making. So the, the aesthetics of the guitars, the, uh, the 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 proportion proportions of the models and the acoustic was fantastic. So I, I started listening uh, back then uh, some Don Russ uh Dustin Fellow, uh, uh Tommy Emmanuel and this, this kind of folks really uh, inspired my my uh, uh guitar making uh, prospects mm -hmm. yeah. yeah that's an interest yeah that's such an interesting sort of point that I mean it's it's kind of like an obvious statement to say that like the fingerstyle guitar especially the solo fingerstyle guitarist you are just obviously hearing the guitar but like when you think about the guitar in the context of rock music or a bluegrass band, it's it's just one of many parts. But with fingerstyle guitar, with a solo player, you're trying to replicate so much more. So that's going to demand so much more of the guitars. And so I can yeah, see right. that be more interesting to build for as a luthier. So that's really cool. Yeah, and it's what I like about it. It's like the, the guitar takes really the center stage. And mm -hmm. and yeah, this yeah. Is why I, I, I like it. Mm -hmm. Oh, very cool. Um, well, I think we, you already touched on some of your, your influences as far as other luthiers go. Um, so I would love to just hear more about how you sort of came to your approach in terms of like, especially the aesthetics, which I, are so beautiful and so intricate. And I feel like there's like, it seems like all of you luthiers who came up from the Quebec school kind of have a similar, like you're all distinct, but there's a kind of a a similar like elevated very elegant style to all of your builds and i i'm so curious to know what how you decided to come up with your specific like aesthetic touches hmm. well it's a long-term uh, process it's it's always uh, developing and evolving mm -hmm. uh, so like i have the, the models i have today are all personal uh, design models but mostly they're all based uh, on general uh, uh, 
let's say, very popular Martin or Gibson models already existing. So, for instance, for the Mistral model, I, I really um, took in account the, the uh, body length and the body width of an OM uh, Martin. But then I just adapted the, the, the curves uh, to, to be more of my taste and to be more, more um, uh, how, how, how would you say that, uh, 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 more uh, fluid like. Yeah, uh, yeah, there's so, none of those like hard, those harder sort of squared off edges that you yeah. see Martin's. Yeah, I, wa I wanted to have the smooth and dense lines on my models, but also, I wanted to be able to keep some standard dimensions mm -hmm. uh, because the proportions are already pretty good, I think, in those uh, uh, in, 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 in most of some popular models. Uh, and also just something as dumb as I wanted the cases, the guitar cases to fit my model. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Practical. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so um, this is pretty much the way I, I, I design uh, my, my, my guitar shapes. And then for the aesthetics, my, it's really a mix of, of many things. Or obviously there are a lot of builders out there uh, who inspire me, mm -hmm. uh, but also um, I, I, I think I got a, an eye of my own <clears throat> for aesthetics. Definitely, yeah. So, um, I really like some uh, architectural movements such as uh, the early first Gothic uh, era. Okay. Uh, so, so very tense line broken with with uh, uh, hard angles. Just this kind of concept that can help me with uh, my aesthetics in general. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the building method just evolved uh, a lot and keeps doing so maybe slower nowadays but in the first years of my uh, activity it, it evolved a lot so um, nowadays uh, i got my meta my method pretty figured out for the uh, neck assembly and for the side rim assembly mm -hmm. and and this is the one of my favorite sides of the job is to be able to have such a great community around me of, of great builders who, who I can share with uh, a lot of uh, building tricks and stuff. So it's it's very uh, thrilling to be part of this. Yeah. Yeah. Especially up there, you must have such a like it seems to be such a dense area in terms of Luthery. So you've, you've got so many folks to collaborate with and to trade ideas with. And so that must be really exciting. Sure, and be even able to see people on the showcases and mm -hmm. visiting shops, and it's 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 very uh, makes the the activity very uh, uh, dynamic and very it keeps things interesting, really. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. noticed talking to different luthiers, um, just how connected everybody is, and that's because obviously building a guitar is a pretty solo activity for the most part, but you. But at the same time, like it seems like everybody's really gregarious and really well connected and, and all all chatting with each other all the time, which is really I think that's really awesome. Sure. Well, this is the kind of solidarity that can happen in a, in a small community like this. Mm -hmm. so, you know, everybody's kind of, of on the same boat. So globally, people tend to really uh, get together and, and, and support each other most of the time. Obviously, it's not always true, right? But uh, but yeah, it's 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 a very great, uh, 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 it's a very uh, good uh, uh, community 
that I really like. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what I wanted to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, just going back to your your different models for a second. So we've had uh, the Mistrals and the MJCs in stock, but I don't think we've ever had, at least not since I've worked here, any of the Maelstroms or your your double O size, um, your Moonchild. So I'm curious, yeah. to know what what it, are the those more mid size ones more popular for you, or do you get people requesting the the jumbo size Maelstrom and the the double O Moonchild very often? No, absolutely. The mid size guitar are. Uh, clearly the most popular in mm -hmm. my lineup yeah. so i um maybe 80 percent of my sales are uh, either mistral or mj models mm -hmm. um the maelstrom i i actually i just made a couple of those uh in the past the moonshell i think i made four or five i got one in the pipes for a for a customer uh, starting oh. soon mm -hmm. but it, it the Maelstrom is very, it's based on a, on a J200. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's very big guitar. So I know this is not a format particularly made for everyone. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty, so, so, you know, it's going to suit some players, but most player, especially those who look for uh, finger style guitars, they are going to go for a mid-size model. Yeah, but, um, sure. I recently uh, made an attempt of adapting the Maelstrom model on a baritone scale. Oh. So, so yeah, I, I got this one just ready for uh, La Conner this year. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was blessed. I mean, I had a lot of good uh, returns on it. So mm -hmm. it was a pleasure. It was my first baritone ever. Oh, really? And, yeah, with a redwood top and Grenadillo. You can check out on my Instagram or pictures of this one. Yeah, definitely. Oh, wow. Um, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, try like lose my train of thought here for a second. Um, so, oh, my, my, my other question kind of related to that was going to be, um, do you, do you branch out to very often? And so if the baritone was the first one that you made, do you get many opportunities to kind of go outside of your typical line, like building something even smaller or something like that? Or do you kind of tend to generally stick to those four, four or five models? For now, at least, I am I got a, a, a few ideas of new models uh, in the back of my mind. Uh, I'm still looking for the perfect dreadnought size guitar, which has, I haven't found yet. Yeah. I, had a, I, I had a model at some point. I'm, I'm not offering it anymore, which, which was called the, the Marley model. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a dreadnought size model, but it, I made a couple of those and it didn't, uh, I didn't really uh, enjoy what I had achieved with it. So it's going to be in the works for, for the future. And uh, maybe I'm going to work on a Parlo model. Maybe okay. a very small double O with a 12 thread uh, neck joint, mm -hmm. something like this, which is also in the back of my mind. But uh, I just have to, to find the time to, to work on it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like parlors are really popular right now, so that's probably a good good thing to explore. Yeah, yeah, and I'm curious to explore about the the acoustic behavior of this kind of small instrument. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, in particular, I'm very inspired on this aspect by my good buddy uh, Domsho Ivanov. Mm -hmm. he makes some of the loveliest guitars in the world, in my opinion. Really? Especially his, his parlor size guitar are, are amazing and and so responsive and, and lively. So 
that would be a good inspiration. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, but I have my model lineup and I won't really uh, go uh, off uh, this lineup for anybody unless someone is willing to pay me uh, an extra five or six grand to have the whole conception made and the jigs and stuff. But doesn't really happen. So, yeah. unusual like double sides or any anything unusual with the bracing on your guitars or are they pretty yeah. sort of I don't want to say standard but like more traditional on, mm -hmm. on side? Oh, that's a that's a good question um I used to to have kind of more traditional side rim uh, assem assembly mm -hmm. so I, I was really using uh, laminated linings and uh, okay. all the side reinforcements the cross grain inside and so this is a very efficient and, and, and tidy way to make a side rim, uh, to assemble side rims, but uh, it takes a lot of time and it's a bit of a tedious uh, work to achieve. So nowadays I do, and you have actually in your shop, uh, kind of the two first guitars that I'm making now with the full laminated lining, uh, full laminated uh, side rims, sorry. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the, I just laminate uh, my sides with a curfield core that make the whole height of the of the side rim. Oh, okay. And inside there's just a layer of uh, of veneer inside of the guitar. Uh, so all laminated with epoxy. So this way you have a very stiff and stable uh, uh, side rim. Okay. And so this is very interesting, and I I didn't invent anything doing that. I got inspired by uh, 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 Diane James, mm. who does this method as well as uh, uh, Mike Kennedy mm -hmm. uh, and uh, also Jeremy Clark from 52 Instruments, who are the, the guys who popularized kind of this uh, uh, assembly method. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are good buddies uh, coming uh, pretty much from Montreal and so it's one of the perks of uh, working in this field and uh, having uh, shows and sharing knowledge with other builders makes makes your techniques evolve and this mm -hmm. is one of them so now now my standard uh, approach for uh, side rims is the one i just described mm -hmm. and for the top bracing i use a double x okay. pattern mm -hmm. yeah so um, really a main x that is kind of the standard size for uh, for an, an acoustic guitar so mm -hmm. about a bit more than a quarter of an inch uh, wide bars mm -hmm. um, most of the time it's just just a taper profile mm -hmm. and so under the bridge I have a second X smaller a bit more open with a, a good a good uh, portion of it 
that is uh, cross grain uh, uh, from the top. Mm -hmm. So this is what, what I mean when I say it's open. It's like open like this. So it's oh, more it's... cross grain a little bit. So yeah, this is a, a pattern that I've been uh, developing over time, and it's 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 uh, I'm very happy with it. So mm -hmm. I stick to it. Oh, very cool. I, I don't think I've seen um, I don't think I've seen like a wider X or not wider is maybe not the word, but yeah, that kind of particular structure before. So that's that's really interesting to know that yeah. you're doing. It's not that open, but the, the thing is, depending on the angle you give to your X, you're going to open it a little bit more or less, and then it's going to behave differently, obviously. Mm -hmm. So you just have to find the, 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 the right balance to have the top behave the way you want. Okay. So, Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Um, so we've got these two guitars and we've got the, the Mistral is, um, man, I'm totally like blanking. I've got to like refresh my memory a little bit. We'll be able to look at them. We've got the MJC in uh, Mahogany and Italian Spurs. Uh, uh, this is Adirondack, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then the, the Mistral was Brazilian Rosewood and Alpine Spurs. So. Yeah. Do you tend to work more with those more, I guess, I don't want to say traditional tone woods, but you know, the sort of more classics, like the, the good reliable standbys, or do you, do you venture off into the more alternative woods these days? Um, I tend to stick to pretty uh, popular tone woods. Mm -hmm. uh, I have plenty of, of alternative and uh, more uncommon tone woods in my wood stash, but I rarely got the occasion to use them. So most of the time I'm going to work with uh, either mahogany or rosewood. Either it can be cocobolo or Brazilian rosewood or even uh, Indian rosewood sometimes, mm -hmm. um, which are pretty, uh, um, sh um, I don't know if it, you can say it's in English, but uh, uh, reliable values to, mm -hmm. to, to be using. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, uh, uh, alternative tone woods, I use sometimes Granadillo, Wenge, um, and I got a lot of tone woods I hadn't the occasion to try yet, but that's gonna that's gonna be tried soon, uh, sooner than later, I hope. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Cool. What's your favorite um, top wood? Sitka uh, spruce for sure. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of an un uncommon opinion these days. Everybody I know. European spruce or something. Yeah, well, it's funny because Sitka spruce, Sitka spruce sorry, is very popular, uh, at least in my experience, in Europe. And, uh, and on the contrary, it's more European spruce that's popular in North America. I don't know <laughs> if, if it's the exotic side of it or yeah. maybe the reputation, I don't know. but. Um, in my opinion, as a builder, uh, I really like to work with Sitka spruce. Mm -hmm. um, it has, it, it's one of the more uh, denser uh, uh, spruce species uh, we have, but uh, it has such a great acoustic behavior mm -hmm. and it has such a great uh, color of tone and has some particular uh, uh, deep bass response that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, so I like working with it, but um, I know that European spruce is very popular. So I I, I also like to follow the, the the popularity and what 
I want to be able to offer people whatever they want as a Thornwood. And I, I like to guide people over um, if they have any uh, questions regarding uh, uh, this or that wood. I'd be happy to to work with them on that. But if you ask me my my perfect on wood or a top seed kiss pros. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I, I like asking luthiers what they would sort of point customers more in the direction of. And I feel like the answer the com the common answer lately has been things like Indian rosewood and you know the the classic standbys that people maybe don't think to choose on their boutique guitar because they want something more quote unquote exotic because you know. Their mark mm -hmm. has Sitka or Indian rosewood or something. So, yeah, but th there is some kind of comfort sticking to what you already seen since you were a kid. I mean, if you see a Martin, in, uh, if you saw a Martin forty years ago uh, when you were young back then, or I don't know, it, it feels like some like something familiar that you can rely on. Mm -hmm. And most clients, they are not uh, wood experts at all, so they they sometimes most of the time actually don't even know the alternatives that that can exist right to those traditional woods so yeah. you have you have to 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 just let them know it does exist you can show them the 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 sets you can have in your stash and say hey this wood can can behave pretty similarly to the perfect madagascan rosewood you saw and 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 you're going to enjoy it as well and so yeah just a part of the of the of the job too yeah um what is your favorite uh wood to use for back and sides personal favorite um i love sapelli yeah personally yeah i i i made a few guitars with this and it can be gorgeous it smells good it uh, it's it's fine to it i mean it's uh it's uh it's very pleasant to work with and it sounds great uh, I really like it. Uh, obviously, I like the classics such as uh, Brazilian rosewood or uh, or Indian rosewood. is really a pleasure to work with as well. Um, yeah, that would be it. Yeah. Do you? I feel like I, I like obviously Sapelli and mahogany are related, and I wish that I could say I could hear a difference. But um, do you hear a difference between mahogany and Sapelli, and are you able to sort of quantify that for for folks? Hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that I can quantify the, the, the difference I, I can hear between mahogany and sapelli and it sure they're going to give a color to the sound, but there are so much more uh, elements involved in, in, yeah. in the acoustic results. So the way you shape your bracings and the way you calibrate everything. So, uh, but I would, I would classify them kind of in, in the same category of warm uh, tone was that can bring some color to the mm -hmm. to the to the overall uh, sound of the guitar mm -hmm. um, it's going to be more of a kind of a darker sound i think but okay. i would i would say they sound quite similar yeah yeah this is my opinion at least yeah maybe, maybe some loot here with 30 plus years of experience would totally disagree with me <laughs> I think that most people would probably agree with that. I was just hoping that maybe, maybe you could, you had like a really strong opinion and, and could and could tell me the difference. But <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't say that. 
Well, it's definitely beautiful for sure. And for anybody who likes mahogany, it's going to be up their alley too. So yeah, the one you have is a gorgeous example. Yeah. Uh, you have in the shop right now. Yeah, it's so uh, beautiful. Just like the figuring yeah. is almost like the tree or something. I yeah. Kind of look like looks like the tree, but I I figured I, I didn't have it sold to me as the tree, so I won't uh, advertise it as the tree. I don't think it comes from the tree, but it's a nice tree still. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very nice tree. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have any left in the in the shop. So. Oh really? Um, Sapelli is African, right? It's not from. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's considered as a mahogany species, but it's not actually a mahogany species. species. And, uh, it's globally uh, denser than uh, genuine mahogany. Okay. Yeah, but it's really uh, similar in terms of grain. Uh, so you, you can have some ribbon figure in there and it behaves kind of the same way. Yeah, very cool. Well, so how often do you work with shops like ours versus just working directly with customers to design guitars for them? I would say nowadays it must be about 50-50 maybe. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoy uh, both aspects. Uh, I, I really like to work with uh, shops like yours and and I think you guys do a very great job of advertising and getting the guitars out there and, and creating content that, 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 that helped to put my work on the map really, which is very, very nice. Um, and uh, you, you obviously have a broad uh, network of customers that you know that you have been in contact with for four years. And so it's not something I can, I can do without. So right, yeah. This is the aspect I like about working with dealers like you. when I have the opportunity to meet them uh, in real life. Uh, so yeah, for instance, in a couple of weeks, I got a guy uh, from the US coming over at the shop and he's gonna choose his tone woods and choose his model and options and everything. So this is this is very a pleasant way to, to, to work as well. Yeah, that sounds, yeah. yeah, that sounds like such a great, because um, it's so much of what we do is via email or via phone and that's great, but like nothing. Yeah. I mean, that must be the ideal experience is just to exactly. go with your luthier, pick out the woods together, discuss in person and really kind of narrow down the choices and then figure things out. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really an aspect of the job I, I enjoy a lot. And I, I didn't think uh, when I started uh, and, I, and when I was less experienced with, with customers uh, back when I started, I didn't think I would really enjoy this aspect, but actually it's, it's just really a, a, one of the, the best parts, I think, mm -hmm. sharing your knowledge and your advice and, and having people uh, enjoying your work, you know, and it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's so rewarding at the end of the day. So, yeah. yeah. What do you think players gain the most by working directly with, with, your, with a luthier like you versus just buying a guitar from a shop? Hmm. Well, uh, to, 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 to give a short answer, I think they get the guitar they want mm -hmm. instead of 
hoping to find the guitar they can they can do with mm-hmm. if you know what i mean yeah um, because the the i mean and no offense to any uh, uh, any of the guys in in the industry who who, who make guitars they can do a very good job mm-hmm. uh, but all their work is standardized obviously and they, they have to work this way so so this is kind of this the customer has to adapt to the guitars they buy instead yeah. of if if you work with a, a custom guitar maker he's gonna this is the guitar that's gonna be adapted to to the player not not the not the the contrary so mm-hmm. yeah this is this is the how i see things at least yeah no that totally makes sense and for players who really do have a strong sense of what they're looking for and a well-established playing style i mean there's really nothing better than having somebody build the instrument just for you and and getting everything that you want and putting it into one one versus having like having to have several just to get different experiences or something so yeah right Uh, and and so the the results can be pretty inconsistent with uh, the industry sometimes and so i think the there are a lot of customers who never got uh, used to to working with a with a, a, a luthier uh, before. Uh, I got a, a few of those before, and it was their first uh, handmade custom guitar, <laughs> and so they were kind of uh, a bit worried, and maybe they didn't really know what to expect. And when when you see them back again two or three years later and they purchased all they, they already purchased two more guitars from other makers and so they, they once they taste it they 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 just want to come back because i think even for the customers it's a great experience mm-hmm. um, so yeah this is uh this is very nice to uh, to to be a part of this um kind of lost my 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 uh, train of thoughts but uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, that, that totally makes sense because I mean mm-hmm. each and every one of you guys have such a, a distinct style and you know your guitars while each individual guitar might be different like there's still a cohesiveness in, in your work and so getting to have a guitar from you and getting to have one from Dion or from Michael Bashkin or some you know just it's yeah. I mean that's just like that would be the dream is having basically having an artist make something for you that you get to use over and over again. So yeah, it's pretty true. <laughs> and the, the, the cool thing is, you know, yeah, like I said, uh, I work with my model lineup. So the, the which is really the, the, the body shape of the guitars, mm-hmm. but there are so many things you can custom customize for one particular client. You can adapt for the neck width and the action and, uh, and the string spacing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you can work a lot on this on the tone on the on the bridge size and weight and stuff like this, which make things very um, very adaptable. Despite yeah. the fact that you are basing everything on a particular model, but you can you can play uh, a lot with it. So yeah, yeah, for players who have that really attuned sense of of yeah, like the weight and the feel, like yeah, that you really yeah exactly lot. So mm-hmm. that's, that's awesome. Um, have you had the opportunity to build your perfect guitar for yourself? Uh, well, the perfect guitar I haven't found yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, would, what would be your personal like go-to guitar that you would build for yourself of your models and of the Tonewoods available? 
I, I think personally, the, the, the mistral you have in stock at the moment is pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, that it's... would be probably something very, um, very um, uh, traditional turnwood, but uh, luxurious and, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah, nicely, like, nicely appointed. Mm -hmm. That would be something like this. Yeah. But, can't go um, wrong. I mean, tastes evolve all the time in my opinion in my in my case at least so i at least so i, I try to to stay fresh and to to find all the all all the time to find new ideas in terms of design and aesthetics man well you you might be able to, to tell that i i put a lot of a, a lot of importance into aesthetics obviously <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So when I got the chance to to have a, a nicely specced uh, uh, custom guitar, uh, I love I love to spend hours making small inlays and miters and stuff like this. So yeah, yeah. it would be some, something like that probably. Yeah, yeah, you have such a great. Um, it's not like over the top in any way. It's just it's all so tastefully done and so precise and and everyone has been different that we've had that we've had here in the shop. So it's just yeah, they're beautiful guitars. Thank you so much. Um, so what's next for you? Are you going to do any of the, the, sh the guitar shows this year? Yeah, so I got uh, pl I'm planned to uh, attend the Woodstock uh, mm -hmm. at the end of October, really looking forward to it. Uh, because uh, I, I just made my first show in three years, uh, just in May in La Conner this yeah. year. It was so great to see everybody again and to spend some good times over there and such a lovely place. So, yeah. um, so I'm going to be in Woodstock in October and I can't wait for it. I'm about to, to start thinking about setting up all the uh, uh, Airbnb and stuff with uh, fellow builders. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be very fun. Yeah. And for next year, I don't, sorry. We're going to try to go to Woodstock too. And I'm, I, it's on uh, yeah. my mind to make sure to start booking the Airbnbs and stuff like now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here too. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So yeah, I, I would be happy to, to meet you guys over there. Yeah, that'd be so great. Where, what shows are you going to do next year? Well, next year, I don't know yet, but as uh, uh, soon as I get the opportunity to apply to to one attractive show, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Do you so for preparing for the shows, how many guitars do you do you generally try to bring? Is it just maybe a couple or do you try to have like one of every model or what's the process <laughs> for you? Uh, it's it's uh, it's it's it can be complicated. Um, <laughs> For instance, if, if if the show is at the other side of the continent and I have to take a plane, I'm not gonna try to bring four guitars or five guitars with me, but maybe just a couple. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, for for Laconer, I just had two guitars with me, but I got I was lucky enough to have uh, customers over there who brought their guitars, and so they oh, yeah. they lend me the, their guitars, and I could have them on display as well. So it was it was cool. Mm -hmm. um, but for Woodstock, I I live just about 600 miles north, so I, I can go I can drive there. So mm -hmm. I'm 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 gonna bring maybe three guitars this year. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be sharing a table uh, with my buddy uh, Doncho Ivanov. Okay. Yeah. So so we're gonna have to share the space, obviously. 
but uh, yeah it depends and sometimes i have a hard time having guitars ready and in stock for the for for the shows so sometimes i have to adapt yeah <laughs> yeah i have to kindly ask uh, clients sometimes if i can take their guitars there before shipping the guitar most of the time they're fine with it but in this kind of of case you 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 just don't let anybody touch the guitar whenever they want yeah. works fine yeah yeah that makes sense well awesome we are we are so excited to to meet you this october and have you met ben before never i never oh, no. had the, the okay. chance i i had a couple of calls with him but uh not in person well well awesome i think hopefully kim ben me and our photographer and maybe some other folks will come up so we'll all get to meet wow. you okay. it'll be really really lovely to I, i'm so excited to meet all these all, the, all you guys for the you know in person for once because we've had a few folks visit us here in nashville but it's that's yeah, nashville's not super close to all the our hot spots like Santa Cruz and Quebec. So <laughs> I'd, lo I'd love to pay a visit, but it's it's a bit far from home. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I, sure. I, I would have to plan it uh, ahead. Mm -hmm. um, like like Mario uh, did recently. Yeah. Well, if you ever want to come visit, we'll definitely we'd lo love to have you in person. So that would be a pleasure. Maybe, maybe, maybe next year. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that'll, that, that, we'll look forward to that. But in the meantime, we'll see you in October and that'll be great. Great. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talking Guitar. As of recording, both the OM-sized Mistral and Brazilian Rosewood heard in the second clip and the small jumbo-sized MJC and quilted mahogany heard at the end are available for sale. We can also help you order a completely customized bespoke Boucherot guitar and Luik already has ideas for future guitars for our shop, too. Next up, we'll be airing a mini-episode featuring Mario Beauregard, and shortly after that, I'll be chatting with Luik's friend and fellow shopmate, Julian Souble, who just joined TNAG this year. To learn more about these guitars and these makers, come visit us at thenorthamericanguitar.com. Until next time.